All right, so Christmas is in full swing, as you can see, right? We're, we've decked the halls out. I want to thank you families for coming last week. I just know that uh, me putting all this stuff up, wouldn't it'd still not be done. Uh, so thank you. You guys have skills. Now, some of you have some excellent skills. I don't know if you saw the Christmas tree outside, but our kids went above and beyond, as you can see there, uh, decking out our Christmas tree outside. So thank you guys for doing that. Uh, and we're just glad it wasn't wasn't raining, um, you know. So anyway, uh, we're so glad that uh, we have people who can decorate around here. So I know you're busy, busy, busy. I mean, it's like December eighth, right? Oh, by the way, it's Lucy's birthday, so you could tell her birth- happy birthday. Um, sorry, Lou, I had to do that. Um, so we're busy. You know, you only have 17 shopping days left. Like, it's coming fast because, you know, Thanksgiving was late. So we're, you know, not, it's like the time change messing with us, you know. So it's coming. It's like two weeks away uh, when we celebrate Christmas. So the challenge is now on in full swing to keep Christ in the middle of our Christmas celebration. That's what we're trying to do here at Living Streams. Um, Last week, Pastor Shane helped us focus on Jesus as our Emmanuel, reminding us that even in the trials and temptations of of this world that we have, Jesus is with us. And, you know, when we celebrate Christmas, that name, uh, Emmanuel, takes on special significance as we look at the, at the manger with the baby. You know, God is with us. He's right there. But it takes on some very personal significance when you are struggling in the dark with worry or fear or doubt or whatever it is. And you hear that name, Jesus is Emmanuel. Uh, He is God with us. He is with you no matter what is going on in your life today. And that's a very comforting thing, brings hope. Well, today I I wanted us to look at Jesus as the bread of life. Now, I realize that the bread of life does not necessarily shout out Christmas uh, to you. And I also realize that our relationship with bread these days has kind of, you know, been strained as many of us try to to skip out on bread. So I got a little bit of work to do to connect the dots between our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with bread and how that's going to help us keep Christ in Christmas. So let me get to work. Do you know that bread is one of the oldest foods known to man? Did you know that? Uh, It comes up in the Bible in Genesis chapter 3. Verse 19, God is cursing man for his disobedience in the garden. And he says to to Adam and Eve, he says, By the sweat of your face you will eat your bread. Do you think that Adam and Eve knew what bread was? I was wondering about that. Because if they didn't, then bread was God's idea. And he somewhere passed the recipe down to us. I mean, who was it? Who was the first person to think about, ah, maybe I should take this grain and smash it up into powder and add some water and put it by the fire? Who thought of that? Well, somebody did because God passed it down to them. And that bread would be a lot healthier for us than the bread we get to eat today. I know that. So, you know, I've always thought, I've always thought that since bread is one of the oldest foods known to man, since it's been around since the beginning... I, as a 21st century man, ought to be able to make it. You know? I I thought, I've always thought that. And so I decided last Monday to take this occasion of preaching on the bread of life uh, to try and make my first loaves of bread. 
And so I found this recipe called Amish white bread. So how can you go wrong with Amish anything? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this. Somebody makes it for their family every, every Christmas. And so in it, there's flour, water, sugar, yeast, oil, salt. That's it. So I put all that in a bowl, and I got, I got that. <laughs> and I covered it up for about 30 minutes. And then I had double that, and I got it in there, which I thought was pretty stinking cool. <laughs> so then I took it from there, and I put it in the oven. And I got that. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I am on the edge of sin <laughs> with pride over that bread. I mean, I ran it upstairs and I showed the kids, hey, look at what I just did. First try. <clears throat> I would have some for you to eat this morning, but the kids ate it all. So I don't. Well, so often we are passing on the bread before the meal to get to the main course, right? I mean, we are eating burgers without buns. Uh, We are skipping the sweet rolls at the office. We are keeping bread off of our tables to avoid those dreaded carbs. But this morning, there's one type of bread that I want to encourage you to eat as much of as you possibly can, and that is the bread of life. Because it is that bread that will change your life and not to mention your Christmas. So let's read in John chapter 6 some verses there about the bread of life. Uh, John chapter 6 verses 22 to 40. On the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. And that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you aren't seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him, in him whom he has sent. So that So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. 
For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be in your house uh, today to feast on this word uh, during this season of our lives. The season we get to celebrate your love to us, given to us in your Son. And so, Lord, it is our desire to keep him right in the middle of everything that we're doing. Every, every gathering we have, um, every quiet moment, every hour of the work day in school. Uh, Lord, we want to remember him. And so we we need your help in that. And we pray as we're soaking up this word this morning that you would just grab hold of our hearts, that you would call us up to a place of peace and rest, a place of faith, right there in the middle of you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, one of my favorite restaurants to go to is uh, just about any steakhouse. So, you know, gift cards. <laughs> and you know that at just about at any, get, uh, at any um, steakhouse, they serve you bread before the meal. And about 90% of the time, I refrain from eating the bread. Because uh, I know that in a few minutes they're going to bring me this slab of meat, which is the reason why I came to the steakhouse in the first place. But uh, can you imagine going to the steakhouse and just feasting on the bread? A waiter, could you bring us another loaf of bread? Another one? Uh, and another one? I mean, can you imagine sitting there? That's what Jesus wants us to do. And he wants us to feast on the bread. So here we got just John chapter 6, and you got this crowd. We're jumping into the middle of something here. Uh, this crowd here, they had just sat down to an all you can eat bread and fish buffet out in the wilderness. Uh, they'd never seen anything like it. Upwards of 10,000 people were there, and Jesus broke some bread that he had on hand, a uh, little boy's lunch. He took it, broke it, asked God to bless it. He distributed it to everybody. They ate their fill. They filled up on bread and fish. Everybody was stuffed. So they knew Jesus was somebody special. In fact, the only reason they were out there in the wilderness in the first place was because they had seen him doing miracles and they had an appetite for more. So after they stuff themselves with all these carbs and a little bit of protein, they get tired, they go to sleep. They had seen the disciples take off in the only boat that they had. They wake up in the morning and Jesus is gone. They can't find him anywhere. So they go on on this search for him and they can't find him. So the disciples are gone, their boat's gone, so they think, well, let's just go back to where we found him in the first place. Let's go back to his home base in Capernaum. And I thought, can you imagine that scene on the Sea of Galilee that day? Hundreds of boats filled with people making their way across the Sea of Galilee on a quest to find Jesus. So they make the journey, they get across the sea, they get to Capernaum, and they find Jesus. And they ask him, hey, how did you get here? You know, they want to know the boat was gone. How'd you come by to, you know, make it to Capernaum? And Jesus gives them this strange answer. He says, it's not about his travel arrangements. It's about their appetite for why they're looking for him. He says, you're not seeking me because you saw something special in me. You're seeking me because I filled your stomach with bread. And you want more. And I thought, isn't that 
our problem at Christmas time. Isn't that our problem? I mean, it is all too easy for us to set out on the Advent season seeking Jesus, but not so much so that we can spend time with Jesus, but so he can give us things, so we can receive things from him. And I was thinking about this in my own life because I, I hate it. Or I intensely dislike it when I am that way with Christ. You know, instead of being content with his miraculous presence in my life and all that he gives me, I'm really just wanting him to give me things or uh, bless my life in, in a certain way. I mean, I've got a prayer list, you know. And I, I got things on that prayer list that I really want to see happen. Like salvation for all my kids and grandchildren. Some healing for our bodies and for our hearts. Strength instead of weakness. Boldness instead of meekness. Love instead of apathy. I want these things in my life. These are only things that Jesus can do. More faith than doubt really like to see him do those things. And then there's things I pray for for you. You know, that he would make the, the rough places smooth. That he would turn heartache into joy. That he would give you healing in your bodies. That he would give you a raise at your job. That he would give you a place to live. That he would make the trials go away. You would have peace in the middle of a storm. I mean, how good would life be if he did all of those things? So I can find myself looking for Jesus, but not for Jesus, but for what he does. Now, I don't want you to hear me say that we shouldn't be asking God for, for his blessing in our life, for his grace. The word pray actually means to ask. And so God wants us to ask him. He says, ask, seek, and knock. And keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He wants us to come to him as our Abba Father. He wants his children to come and depend on him and seek him. But in our asking, we don't want to make the answers more important than the one who does the answering. So that's our dilemma. And I think especially at Christmas, our eyes, our eyes get turned away from the bread. And we have the main course of the world's Christmas right here in front of us. And then, then we get focused there and all of a sudden we're celebrating the world's way that really has nothing to do with Jesus at all. So we're, we're, it's like we're there and we're seated at the table with the bread of life right in front of us. But we're thinking, the main course is coming. And if I eat the bread of life, I'm not going to have room for that main course. So I'm passing up on the bread. Now the next words from Jesus' mouth point us to a different kind of feast. He says, don't work so hard for the food that has, has an expiration date. Work hard, put your labor in, your effort into um, having that food that doesn't expire. That eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. The Heavenly Father has put his approval on him. He is the one who can give it to you. So in other words, stop passing up on the bread of life in your life. 
feast on it. And you won't even miss the main course. When you get ser- when it gets served up, you're al- already going to be satisfied. I mean, can you imagine a Christmas without presents? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, my kids got up like at 3 a.m. in the morning and stood at the top of the stairs ready to run down there. Can you imagine, you know, everybody getting up on Christmas morning and you come to where the Christmas tree is and there's not a single present there and all is well because it's Jesus' birthday and he's there? I mean, isn't that the end of how the Grinch stole Christmas? Except it's happening in real life. And not because of some feel-good Christmas feeling but because of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Have you feasted on the bread of life? Do you know what that's like? Have you, have you received a drink of peace from him in the middle of, of trial and temptation and, and turmoil? Have you been called his child and been invited to come and just sit in his lap? Have have you uh, had your sin removed as far as the east is from the west? A burden of guilt lifted off of your heart and no longer feeling ashamed of who you are? Because the Son of God called you by name, gave you some faith, you looked to him for life, and he he washed your insides whiter than snow? You heard his voice from the word. You felt his presence in your pain. You received grace instead of what you deserved. All of that, all of that is available at the feast of the bread of life. And I'll tell you what, that will change your wanter. (laughs) <laughs> that'll change your wanner. That'll have you singing that old song. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Would you rather have Jesus than everything on your Christmas list? Would you rather have Jesus than win the lottery? Would you rather have Jesus than world peace? Would you rather have Jesus than sane politics? A raise at your job? An extra week's vacation? Would you rather have Jesus than all of your prayers answered? No more tears, no more trials, no more difficulties, no more struggle. Would you rather have Jesus? Yes. Now listen, these words here in John 6 to these people that Jesus says to them, they are not a scolding. For their motives. 
to seek Jesus. They are an invitation. An invitation to come and feast on the bread of life. That's what he wants us to do. Now the people, they hear him. And they like what they're hearing and they want to know, how do we get that? How do we do the works of God? You said to labor, but how do we put into practice the laboring for for the food that doesn't perish? And then Jesus says, believe in the bread. Believe in the bread. So the folks say, well, how do we know for sure you're the bread? How do we know for sure you're the one that we should believe in? Show us something. (laughs) Show us something a sign to prove that you're from God and then they talk about Moses and his ancestors you know we, they had manna from heaven he gave us bread from heaven that, that confirmed he was from God so we could trust him what are you going to show us now can you imagine that they're saying that <laughs> they just sat down at the wilderness buffet I mean they had already seen all of these miracles. Jesus set up a medical clinic at Capernaum and anybody that came to it walked away healed. And they're saying show us a sign. See they have believing all wrong. They said show us so we can see and believe, but that's not how you believe. Seeing isn't believing. Believing only happens when you don't see. And that is what makes it hard. That's what makes it difficult. Now Jesus, he responds to them. And he, uh, this scripture, they quoted a scripture, Psalm 78 verse 4. And he said, look, that scripture you're talking about, I, that wasn't talking about Moses. That was talking about God. And that manna from heaven, that's really pointing to something else, something better. And something better is here right now in your midst. Right now, the true bread. God is offering you this true bread from heaven that comes down from him and gives the world life. That sounds really good to them. And they say, well, give us this bread always, always and forever. And Jesus says that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. So that's the call to believe in the bread right there. The call to believe in the bread. To go beyond the mere religious activity that we learned growing up with our parents taking us to church and step into this living relationship with Jesus where we are daily depending on him for fundamental needs like hunger and thirst. And I think we often think about believing in Jesus as an event that happened in our past. You know, some of us even have a date that we can look back and point to and say, you know, I believed on June 3rd, 1994. That's when... I believed in Jesus. But believing in Jesus, believing in the bread of life, is a lot more than an event that happened somewhere back there. It is an everyday walk. It is an everyday believing, you know, in who he is, depending on him. Um, So there's a definite beginning to believing, but there is no end to it while we walk this earth, not until our faith is sight when we see him, when we see him and, and we're standing in his in his presence. There is no ending to our believing here. So everything that we do, everything we do is revolving around believing in the bread of life. We get baptized because we believe. So we pray because we 
believe. We give because we believe. We forgive because we believe. We go because we believe. We take the Lord's Supper because we believe. We sing, we serve, we gather, we hope, we worship, we obey, serve, sacrifice, submit, all because I should should also say we love. All because we're believing. We're believing. Is that the kind of believing you're doing? The bread of life is life because he gives life to the world through our believing. We're the means that it comes. We have the message to point people to Christ. We have a a mercy. We're a mercy conduit. We shed grace and hope and light and love on people wherever we go. Because of our believing. This is, sounds pretty good, you know. Um, and, until our faith gets called to move our feet. <laughs> and so in, a, in a, a book called Beyond Jabez, <clears throat> Bruce Wilkinson, he shares the story of an African woman who exercised her faith in believing that God could provide for her. She lived in this tiny mud hut in Swaziland, Africa, and she had taken on the responsibility of caring for 56 orphans. And so uh, she's out there, and this small group of volunteers had arrived in Swaziland to plant gardens for the people in the community there. And so on their last day of their visit, they go to her tiny home, and they see all these kids surrounding this tiny mud hut, and they notice that there's a bunch of little gardens that have been dug up but weirdly, nothing growing in them. And so they ask, you know, the kids, hey, what, what's up with the gardens? And, and they said, well, last night our mom told us that we needed to wake up and dig some gardens around our hut. But we didn't know why, because we don't have any money. We don't have anything to plant in them. And she told us that she prayed to God that he would send someone to help us plant our gardens and we needed to be ready for them to come. And so this group of volunteers shows up with hundreds of ready-to-plant seedlings for their gardens. God sent this team to one African woman, one of his servants, who asked him for help. That is what believing in the bread looks like. You know, digging your garden when you don't have any plants or way to get plants because you asked the bread to send them. Plowing your fields, getting those, get them ready for rain during drought because you ask the bread to send the rain. Filling out a, a faith promise card when there is no budget to give. Starting a second service at your church. <laughs> Believing God's going to send the people. Talking to a neighbor about the true meaning of Christmas because they're just missing it. All of that. Continuing to wait on the Lord for him to come through when circumstances are saying he's not going to come through. Trusting God's word is true about what it says, like 1 Thessalonians 5.24, He who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Continuing to be faithful to God even when it seems like he is not being faithful to you. That is believing in the bread. Do you know this kind of believing? Do you know it? 
Now, here's the thing. Your eyes, your ears, your feelings will keep you from this kind of believing. I mean, they will tell you that the main course is coming. Skip the bread. Now, they will tell you there's no way that what you need to have happen can happen. It is impossible. Your eyes, your ears, your feelings will tell you God isn't there or God doesn't care or God isn't able. But Jesus will tell you something different. He tells you, believe in me, the bread of life, and you will have what you need and you will be satisfied. I was reading that and I was like, man, this is the, this is the moment the innkeeper walks out of the inn after, that's keeping him so busy with life. And he looks up and he sees a star that he never has seen before. And God whispers to his heart, calling him to believe. That's the moment we're in right here. He's calling us, inviting us to believe in the bread of life. What is the kind of believing that you need to do today? Is there a step of faith that he would call you to do today to believe in him? Well, you know, you know that the Christmas season is the season that we celebrate many miracles, right? What did the angel say to Mary? With God, all things are possible. How can you believe in that today? How can you believe in the bread of life? Now, I know that Christmas time can really zap you of your energy. And I know that life can make Christmas time a time that you just want to skip. Let's get to the new year. You find yourself here this morning and you're just tired. You're worn out from believing. You're just worn out. You're finding it hard to struggle to get up to do another difficult day. You're working hard. You're working hard to keep it up, keep up appearances, keep up your Christian witness, keep serving, keep singing, giving, sacrificing, obeying, parenting, marriaging, working hard. I just made a word up. And that doesn't mention all the shopping, baking, and planning for next year. Listen, Jesus promised you something you need to hear next. Your heart needs to hear this because it's going to give you room To rest in the bread. So the people, they want another sign so they can believe. And Jesus says, look, I've already given you signs, but you still uh, don't believe. And then he says this, all that God has given me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will not turn away. Can you remember the first steps you took to come to Jesus? Can you remember those? You wouldn't have taken them if God wasn't drawing you. God didn't get your attention with a star or whatever it was. It looked like something like that, you know. A hunger for, for something more of the, than this world. You know, a, a sorrow over your sin. A, a cry to God for rescue. An act of kindness when you didn't deserve it. That was God getting your attention, saying, come to me, come to me. And Jesus says, if anyone comes to him, he won't turn away. You're not going to knock on his door and he opens it up and says, I don't have any more room. Go find somewhere else to find life. He's not going to ever say that to anybody. 
No matter where you've been, no matter what you did, no matter what you've said, doesn't matter. No matter what condition your heart is in this morning, no matter how bad you think you are, no matter how weak your faith may be, he does not turn you away if you come to Jesus. He will take you in his arms, he will forgive you, and he will give you rest. Can you remember your first steps? Maybe you need to take some first steps to Jesus today. If you do, I'm going to give you a chance to do that here in a minute. Jesus continues on here and he says, I have come to do my Father's will and this is what he wants. That all who come to me, I will never let go. I will not lose one. Do you hear that, weary follower? Jesus will not lose you. Jesus will not let you go. No matter how weak your faith is, no matter how much you might have been feasting on the world's Christmas and skipping the bread of life, no matter how little faith you might exercise day to day, you are in the grip of the Savior and He will not let you go. See, it is not up to your strength to stay faithful. It is up to Jesus' strength. So rest in the bread. Rest in the bread. Jesus said, this is the way God wants it. I love that. This is his will. This is what God wants, that everyone who turns to Jesus and believes in him receives eternal life. And when the days are over, Jesus said on the last day, they get resurrected to a whole new life in his presence. So there's a beginning and there's a walking. That's what God wants. It's his will. So we can rest in the bread. It is not up to you to get home. Jesus gets you home. From the beginning all the way to the end. And that means you can rest in the bread. Steve Hainer was the president of Columbia Theological Seminary, and he passed away in January of 2015 after fighting pancreatic cancer. And he wrote this when the test revealed that chemotherapy wasn't working. He said, The cancer continues to have the upper hand. What now seems clear from a purely physical perspective is that in all probability, the remainder of my life on this earth is now to be counted in weeks and months. He wrote on his blog to all the people that were praying for him. He said, many are praying for one of God's big miracles. We are as well. But it is not how God answers prayer that determines our response to God. God is committed to my ultimate healing. But being cured of my cancer may or may not be part of that healing work. One person told me how disturbing it is to her to watch so many thousands of prayers on my behalf and yet see so minimal of physical evidence of healing. Does God really heal? Does the amount of prayer have any special impact? 
Honestly, I understand the importance and logic of these questions. Most of these questions, though, are not the important ones to me. He goes on, I truly don't know what God has planned. I could receive healing through whatever means, or I could continue to deteriorate. But life is about a lot more than physical health. It is measured by a lot more than medical tests and vital signs. More important than, than the more particular aspects of God's work with us is God's overall presence with us, nourishing, equipping, transforming, empowering, and sustaining us for whatever might be God's call to my life today. He says, today, my call might be to learn something new about rest. Today, my call might be to encourage somebody in a very tangible way. Today, my call might be to learn something new about patience and endurance and identifying with those who suffer. Today, my call might be to mull through an insight about God's truth or character. And he closed his writings with a quote from E.E. Cummings. He says, I thank you, God, for most for this amazing day i thought you know something god is calling today he's given us this day as a gift and you're here and he is calling you today what is he calling you to do what is he calling do you need to turn away from the world's main course of christmas and feast on the bread of life it's easy to get off off focus so easy he's is he calling you to feast today does december 8th 2019 not only need to be lucy's birthday but also your spiritual birthday is today the day you need to take your first steps to come to jesus and believe in him you know he's the only one who has done anything to provide forgiveness for your sins The only one who can say to your heart, I forgive you and wash you white as snow and make you a new person and walk out of here today. Jesus is alive. He rose from the grave and he's calling today. Is he calling you to believe in him? Is he calling you to to take a step of faith with him, you know, to walk out there on the thin ice of life somewhere, trusting in him to not let you break through? Is he calling you to believe that way? Is he calling you to rest? Is he calling you just to say, hey, I got you. Trust me in this. I'm going to get you home. And you just run to him and let him carry you. Is he calling you to do that today? 